to the Wednesday version of the Daily Walk. Today we're in Luke 7 through 9. And today we get to see a lot of things we've seen in the other two Gospels. And we also see some things that weren't in those, that Luke is the only one that records them. And so I want to start off today by giving you a word. The word is synoptics. And these three Gospels are known, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptics. And basically that means the same. And so you will hear people refer to them often as the synoptic Gospels because they are known for their similarities. Now, some people will also bring up the synoptic problem, and that's where there are differences and that's the books that have different stories in them or have things that the others left out and today we're going to have something that the others left out we look at like mark doesn't have anything about the birth of christ we look at uh, matthew has nothing about the shepherds Luke has nothing about the wise men. And we just got to think about, you know, if you were witness to an accident and there was a lot of people that witnessed that, how many people would give different versions to what they saw, what their perspectives are? And then we also had to give consideration to who they're speaking to. So... While Luke is a doctor and he's more detailed, there's going to be a couple times in this set of chapters where he's not as detailed as others were because perhaps he's not looking for the same information that other people were. So let's get started. We are in Luke 7 and it starts off with the Roman officer whose slave has become ill and he sends, what's interesting is, is he sends people to Jesus to ask him to come heal his servant, right? His servant. And what we got to take note is he sends respected Jewish elders to ask Jesus to heal his servant. I think that's huge if we look at that. So they go, and Jesus agrees to come because they tell him how this guy is a super good person to the Jewish people, which is probably why he sent Jewish elders, right? But then he gives word to him that says, Lord, you don't need to trouble yourself by coming here because I'm not worthy. You know, it's a, it's a Roman officer, centurion, so to speak. That's what the other Gospels will bring up. 
And here's why he says that. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I, I, as an officer, can tell people from wherever I am to go do this or go do that, and they'll go do it because I tell them to. So this officer knows that if Jesus just tells this illness to go away, it'll go away because he is that powerful. And this guy's never even met Jesus. He's just heard because he's heard of the great things Jesus has done. What if we had that kind of faith where we just believe that, Lord, just speak the word because he's, you know, he's, He's in heaven, but he's here with us. Can you fathom that? That Jesus is like so far, but yet he's right next to you. And that with just a word, he can heal you. And Jesus is like, man, I haven't seen any kind of faith like this in all of Israel. And with that, he said, you know, that the officer's friend returned to the house and they found the slave completely healed. Jesus enacted on the all other the officer's words an act of faith. And really, the word that he said <laughs> was, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. So he gives credit to the man for his faith and that was enough to heal his servant. His acknowledgement of the man's faith is what really heals it. Now, if we look at this, and we're going to look, we'll see this some more, and we look at some of the other healings that take place, the miraculous healings, Jesus always pays tribute to the faith in the healing. Okay, so let's make sure we see that. Here's something that's only in Luke. Jesus goes to the village of Nain, and you got to remember Nain, because if you remember Nain, then you'll know, oh, this must be in Luke, because Luke's the only story that records this, because he sees a funeral procession coming out of the village, and the young man who died was a widow's only son. Those are key words, widow and only son. First of all, it's a widow lady, so she's already lost her husband, and now she's lost her only son. So there's a lot of sorrow going on, right? And she has nobody left. Her husband, who's a caretaker for her, has died, and now her only son, who was take, helping take care of her, has died, and now she is all alone. And in those days, the men took care of their wives. And if they died, the sons became men of the house and they took care of their moms. You know, and so Jesus sees this woman and that she's all alone. And it says, the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. So he sees her situation in this funeral procession and he realizes how dire her circumstances are. And he has this great compassion on her, and he says, don't cry. You know, have you ever seen someone just crying, and you, and you really, you say, don't cry. 
I mean, I've seen that and I've said that. Because you just have compassion on him. You just want to be able to fix it. And in this case, Jesus does fix it. He walks over to the coffin. Now, figure this. They're going in a funeral possession. The pallbearers are carrying the coffin. And Jesus walks over to it. The bearers stop. And Jesus says, young man, I tell you, get up. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Uh, that must have been open casket, right? Because at that moment, the boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. I just, man, I just think, how great is our God, right? Because he seized our situation and he has such great compassion over us. And right when we think, you know, in the Old Testament it says, at just the right moment he came. In the New Testament it will tell us when we get to it that at just the right moment he came. It's in the Word in in places, and it always talks about at just the right moment. So when your situation is getting dire, Believe that he sees you and that he's telling you don't cry because he has compassion on you. And at just the right moment, man, I can tell you stories where we where we were at wit's end not knowing how it was going to be. And at just the right moment, the Lord came through. And all I could do with tears in my eyes is say, it's the Lord. <laughs> because I knew there's only... One way that could have happened, and it was because of the Lord. And so this little story in here in Luke is so representative of those moments. And, of course, fear sweeps the crowd, but they praised him because no one's ever seen this, right? And the mother is, like, super elated because she has her son, her companion, her caregiver, her through life person. She's not alone. See, we always think we're alone, but that one time where we think we're alone, there's that compassionate person, Jesus, there to show us, one, you're not alone ever. I'm always with you. Remember he said that until the end of the age. And two, at just the right moment, I'm going to make it work out for you. So the scene shifts to Jesus and John the Baptist because John the Baptist is in prison and he's like having his own personal doubt because he's like, man, did I do all this for the right reason? And he's like, sends his disciples to say that question. And, you know, here's where Luke puts it in a different way he says are you the one we've been expecting or should we be looking for someone else and jesus sends them back and i'll let you look back at the other gospels this uh in matthew to see what he asked then jesus says you know hey tell john how everybody's getting healed how everybody's walking how everything's happening but tell him this this is the big thing you know, when we feel like, man, is it worth it? We gotta, we gotta remember this. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. That's one one thing that they always record. 
Matthew and Luke record this. God blesses those who don't fall away. In other words, he blesses those who don't get tired and begin to second-guess their work. They stay true to it. And let me tell you, in ministry especially, there's pastors all over the world right now that are starting to second-guess their work, and they're quitting because the world is beginning is beginning to get hard. They're not literally in prison, but they're in the prison of, is it worth it? Am I really? And I know some people like that. They're just like, I don't know, is it worth it anymore? Because the churches keep dwindling. The churches keep falling down. And the biggest thing is, is we've got to do what our church has been taught, is to go out into the streets. Go quickly into the streets and alleys. That was in... Oh, we haven't got there yet. You'll see it. It's coming. We got to go out there and, and take the word to people. It's no longer a just open your door and hope they come. Man, I see that so much in the way the Lord prepared me for that in, in being a paramedic and the business that I used to own because it was all about going out to people. So he gives him that word, right? And then, he, then Jesus gives this big promotion for John. Hey, you guys, he could be the greatest, but there's, he's going to be like, there's no one greater than him. And then you guys thought, you know, he's out there speaking the word and he's telling everything that's coming up. But you you thought all these bad things of him and thought he's possessed by a demon, but then I come and I feast and drink with everybody, have social time with people, and then you call me a glutton and a drunkard. So you you just you there's no happy medium with you people. And he's talking about the churchy people, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people that are stuck in their old ways. And so uh, Jesus gets invited to dinner by a Pharisee, which I Luke is clear to show that. And when he's there, a certain immoral woman, he doesn't mention the name, but we'll figure that out later. And she comes in and she starts crying over his feet, wiping her feet with his tears, and and pouring a perfume over his feet, all right, from a beautiful alabaster jar. And so Jesus reads the thought of the Pharisee and gives him a little parable about, hey, you know, if you owe me 500, she owes, or she owes me 500, you owe me 50, who's going to, and I say, your debt's forgiven, who's going to be more grateful? And I suppose, and the Pharisee's like, well, I suppose the one with the greater debt. And he's like, right. And he says, so this woman kneeling here who entered your house her and her sins are many is grateful. When I entered your house, though, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet. You didn't greet me with the customary kiss. And, you know, she's washing my feet with her tears and she won't stop kissing my feet. And so she's grateful. And so what's really cool in Luke is, and he's the only one that really records it like this, 
is Jesus says to the woman, you know, the other gospels, we kind of think she's showing gratitude for her forgiveness. But Jesus says to her, at that moment, your sins are forgiven. And here you go. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So she's like going through repentance right there and giving God grace and thanks for what he's doing in her. And I just think that's cool because, you know, when you give your life to Jesus and you show him that you want to be different, you're no longer going to be immoral in whatever your immoral is. It's transformational, and there's oftentimes a lot of tears shed. <laughs> Luke 8 talks about the women who follow Jesus, and they use their own money to help through that, which is cool. That's the way the local church is. The local church offerings help support the local pastors. And then we get the parable of the farmer scattering seed, which we've had in the other two Gospels. See, when it's in all three, or even all four especially, that means it's significant. So Jesus is really trying to pound it here that we have to get the word in our heart and let it sink and become fertile so that we can produce good seed, good fruit, good crops, because if we don't get the word in our heart, then it's just going to blow away. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so we got to keep it rolling and keep it going in our lives every day and every day. And then he talks about the parable of the lamp, which is really good because I like this. No one hides it under a bushel, right? And here's what is highlighted in this section. All that is secret will be eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed we brought out to the light to be made known so i highlight that because what we think we're hiding will not stay hidden forever that's my wife saying by the work and so we have to make sure that if we think we're hiding something we can't hide it forever the Lord knows. If you look back at those stories, everything that's in there, Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus answered their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus answered their thoughts. So you have to understand, I have to understand, we have to understand that those dark places in our hearts and our lives, he knows them, and he's going to see them and expose them one day. And it may not be in this lifetime, but we'll stand before him one day, and he's going to call us into account for that. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I pray this, and I told my church this Sunday, I pray this often. Lord, I don't want anything in me that would hinder your work through me, and I don't want anything in me that would, be between us and the great work you can do through me. Because if I got a dark spot, man, I want to. I want it exposed. Show me it. Get it out. Let me know it. And he know. Let you know it by his convicting power. Because you step into it, and he'll say, "That's what I want. I don't want that. 
you need to get that out of your life. And so that's what's really amazing is this scripture, chapter, let me, chapter 8, verse 17, is super powerful, I think. And so you might want to look that one up and keep it there. So Jesus talks about his true family and how his mother and his brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. See, there it is again. That's going back to seed scattering. We got to get it in our heart and bury it. Keep it. Make it grow. Make it be fruitful. Put it in some good soil. And then he calms the storm. What's interesting in here is, you know, uh, I think it was Mark. They said, don't you care? And in this one, they just come and said, Master, we're going to drown. They already got themselves as drowning. And Jesus gets up and says, where's your faith? After he calms the storm, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and the storm stops. And he says, where's your faith? Because he said, let's go to the other side. Let's cross to the other side. And they already had themselves chalked up as drowning. And he's like, no, boys. I said, let's get to the other side. See, what we got to understand is you are virtually indestructible as long as God has called you to it. He will get you through it. And so you're virtually indestructible until you finish that which he has called you to do. And in this lifetime, he has called you to be his messenger, and so he's going to protect you through all things. It keeps going back to that. I'm with you to the end of the age, so look at what you got. So then Luke gets into a brief dissertation of Jesus healing the man at the Gadarenes and casting out the devils there, you know. Uh, who are you? We are legion, for there's many of us. They didn't want to go to the bottomless pit, so he puts them in the pigs, and then they rush down and drown themselves in the lake. So uh, that story is in there, and he gets into that. And he tells the man who wants to follow him, no, go back and tell your family what God has done. See, what's significant about that is we got to start with our circle of influence, man. Start with that and let them know what great things God has done for you so that you can make a difference in them. And then we get to Jairus, you know, and his daughter who is dying. Once again, Matthew and uh, I think it's Matthew and Luke talk about him dying, his daughter dying. And Jesus says, yeah, I'll go. But then we get the lady with the bleeding disorder that slows things down because she wants to just touch the hem of his garment. See, what if we believe so much that we could believe he could speak the word? What if we believe so much that if we could just touch the hem of his garment? What if we're in prayer in our prayer space and we just reach out and believe we're touching his garment and hearing the word? Because he just says, once again, when she's healed, it's all on your faith, right? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. That's the lady that touches his garment. And then when Jairus gets word, hey, don't bother the master, the teacher, because your daughter's dead, 
Jesus here heard him say that, and he says to Jairus again, don't be afraid, just have faith. She will be healed. See, as long as you have some hope, you can have faith. Because faith is made up of that which we have hoped for. Will manifest into what we believe. And if we don't have hope, then we don't have faith because we don't believe. So we got to have hope and we got to have faith. Faith is what we hope for will manifest into what we believe. And if we don't have hope, then we're not going to have faith because they all go together. That's synergy. If anybody's listening from my basketball family, I'm teaching them about synergy. So when he gets there, you know, the people obviously don't have faith because he tells them to stop weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. And they all start laughing at him. So Jesus goes in and takes her by the hand and says, get up. So she stands up and he says, get her something to eat. Who has faith in this? I mean, obviously Jesus. Because, you know, he usually says your faith or seeing their, remember the the five guys that dropped the, their, fr- their, not dropped, but lowered their <laughs> friend through the roof in front of Jesus. And he said, seeing their faith. Somewhere in here, Jesus has to see their faith to heal this daughter. So that means to me that Jairus must have kept the faith enough for Jesus to do this. Because remember when he's at home in Nazareth, he couldn't do many miracles because people didn't have the faith. It takes our part to see God work because if we're not going to trust him, then we, you know, what's he got to work with? It's a two-part situation, and we need to help him. Because in Luke 9, verse, verse, Jesus gives us all the power and authority to cast out demons and heal all diseases. See, we have the power, and we need to have the faith so that Jesus can work through us so we can see that take place. And then he sends the disciples out and tells them, now go use that power. And so they went to the villages preaching good news and healing the sick, which got Herod all confused. Wait a minute, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I get rid of John the Baptist? Who is this? Did he raise from the dead? Who is this? Because he doesn't really know about Jesus. So then Luke gives, we're in chapter 9 now, Luke gives a brief dissertation of the feeding of the 5,000. He doesn't go into where the, five loaves and two fishes comes from it's just a you know he tells them to feed them and they they kind of beef about it like how are we going to do that when we only have five loaves and two fishes and then jesus just tells them to sit down this is how he records it and they feed them all and they got 12 baskets left over and then jesus goes into uh the cost to follow him This is really good. If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. 
if anyone is ashamed of me in my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So if we're, if we're ashamed of Jesus, we're like denying him. So we can count on him denying us when we try to get into the pearly gates. If we're not going to act like we don't know him, then he's not going to know us. I mean, think about that. When you're out and you act like you don't know somebody, that person is going to acknowledge it, that you don't know them, and they're just not going to act like they know you either. There's not going to be this you know, this conversation going on. It's a mutual thing. Okay, I see that you don't want to talk to me. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you're not going to want to talk to me, then okay, I'm not going to bother you. You made your decision. And so we got to really take that to note. And when we take up our cross, that's just taking up our cross and saying, yes, I'm, I'm going to be a daily, I'm going to be a daily sacrifice. I'm sacrificing those things that could come between you and me, and I'm crucifying them once and for all so that I don't have to have anything separating us because it's through the cross that you took all that stuff away from me, and the cross helps me remember that. And then Luke shows the transfiguration, which, you know, was key that's in all of them as well which means it's really important because that's jesus getting ready for the ascension before the crucifixion and you know right after that's when the the man has the the boy that was demon possessed and he asked the disciples to heal him and they can't do it and he hits jesus up to do it and jesus is like why are you faithless and he heals the man for the father anyway. And Luke, however, leaves out the part where the disciples asked Jesus, why couldn't we heal him? That part's not in Luke. So Luke's more pointed towards the fact that Jesus just goes through the transfiguration, gets met with something that the disciples couldn't do, and it took a greater power to get this demon out of this kid because the people's faith wasn't strong enough. And so Jesus comes down, and I'm talking the people's faith and the faith of those trying to help him, which means this boy's illness has been going on for a long time. Remember in one of the other Gospels, Jesus said, how long has this been going on? And so what probably happened was, this is putting two and two together, it's not in the Scripture, but it, the disciples were probably like, oh, this has been going on so long, I don't know, this is going to take a mighty work. Well, Jesus just gave them all authority. You have the authority. Believe in it. So then Jesus tells them that he's going to have to suffer and die again in the hands of the enemies. But what's interesting, Luke records, is they didn't know what he meant. And they didn't know the significance because it was hidden. So they couldn't understand it. And they were afraid to ask. So it's like Jesus was talking code to them. 
and they didn't get it, so they just kind of let it go. And I think that's kind of interesting how they see that. Uh, so then um, Jesus tells them that if anyone is for you, they're not against you, so help them to keep doing the work of the Father. And some guys want to follow Jesus, but then they got other things they got to do first. And Jesus really says, you know what? If you got to, if you got other things on your agenda, then you're really not ready to follow me. And that's kind of where we're at. And that's how it closes. If you really want to follow Jesus, you're either all in or you're not. You can't be on the fence. We, we either want to serve Jesus or we don't. Because if we don't, and if you listen to my other podcast, The Reckoning, it's in The Journey Part 9, I think. If we don't fully commit to this, it doesn't work. Because if you look at the man with the demon-possessed boy after the transfiguration, that's not fully committed, and it doesn't work. When we fully commit and give God everything, then all that comes together. If you go to the gym and you don't fully commit and you only go once a month, you're never going to see results. But if you fully commit and get on a real good exercise plan, then that's when you see the results and you start feeling better. So Jesus is like, look, if, you, if you're not going to commit, then it's probably not going to work for you. Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So today, know this. You've been given all authority if you are a child of God and you have the power that Jesus had that raised him from the dead. So have the faith because the two go together. And whatever thing you're going through at just the right time, know that he supplies and he's always with you and he's right there by you. Yes, he can be in heaven, but remember, he's omnipresent. And no matter how big he is and how far he may seem, he is right there with you even in those stormy seas like on that boat. Have a great Wednesday. It's hump day, and we'll see you tomorrow.